0: We've got these um, banners up here again, this this, um, love, joy, peace and hope and as I was uh, considering those different uh, words again, I I was thinking to myself as to if we were to look at each one of them and consider which of them to us would be the most important. Um, I wonder what, I'm not asking for answers, but I wonder what we would actually think and uh, to me the first and the most important one is the one on the left love we know that because it says in 1 corinthians 13 the greatest of these is love but what should be the second well the same chapter would tell us to point to hope because there's faith hope and love three things the greatest of these is love we thank god for his joy and we thank god for his peace and so as I was thinking of this morning and deciding which of these I wanted to go for I decided I'm going to go for hope thank you Cameron I want first of all just to consider some situations where there seems to be no possibility of hope and I'm not talking spiritually necessarily now but for example maybe you've got a car and the car is getting on a little bit like me and uh, suddenly the engine dies on you you take it to the garage and or get it to the garage and the mechanic opens the bonnet and he does some investigating and then you turn to him and you say what's the problem and then he replies I'm sorry there's no hope for this engine no hope <coughs> it's beyond repair I've had to do that many times myself while working in the garage there's nothing that can be done again I'm sure we've all been alongside friends or family who have had the dreaded visit to a doctor or a consultant and the verdict has come. There's no hope. I've been there myself with both my mother and my father. Both of them with a consultant and the words have come out. There's no hope. There's nothing can be done for them. We may also have heard a, at about a person, they've gone down a certain route in the way that they've chosen to live life. And as they've gone down that route, the verdict is given, they're a lost cause. There's no hope for them. We may even get into circumstances or situations ourselves where we get into such a pickle, we fall into financial debt. We fall into a personal crisis where we think to ourselves, there's no hope for me. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this mess. And sadly for some, the lack of hope, the awful state of absolute hopelessness has led them to the awful and the sad consequences of suicide. And there are many ways in which we can describe circumstances or situations where we would just come to that one conclusion all hope is lost in fact we could stop for a moment this morning and we can consider the state of our own nation today the political turmoil the financial chaos the ongoing and the continuing threats of strikes that will have an effect on us in all so many areas it would seem looking into our own nation that all hope seems to be lost and we can widen the net to Europe then further afield as we read of and hear of crisis, war famine, flooding chaos the world is in a mess all hope seems to be lost hopelessness and helplessness would be two very apt and applicable words for today so what can be done well we'll hold crisis meetings we'll hold climate change meetings and well is there climate change with the weather we're having at this moment (laughs) it's gone colder than rather than hotter we can get world leaders together to come to some universal or global agreement We can change the president or prime minister. And if that doesn't work, we'll seek to do what we can to overthrow the government with a new party that would actually do no better themselves. We can strike more. We can demand more. We can protest more. Till eventually the already deepening crisis is just going to deepen worse. It's going to get worse. So it doesn't matter how much humanity tries through anarchy, through protest, through government or whatever the method or action the hopelessness never seems to go away yes, it may may feel better or look better for a while but suddenly it's to dip and it's doom again and the whole process is repeated so the question we ask this morning is this is there any hope? is there It's a question that needs to be asked. Is there any hope? And the answer is that there is. And yet the world refuses to look to the place and to the person who can not only bring but will give the hope that this world needs. Firstly, there is a book that is full of hope. And we thank God for this book, his precious word. It is a book that from cover to cover is full of hope. And the world needs to pick it up again. The world needs to read it. The world needs to turn to it. But secondly, the book tells us of a person, a precious person, a special person, that will bring and give the hope that a man or woman needs. The hope that the world needs. The hope that our nation needs. And the name of that person is Jesus. And yet, as we enter another Advent season, it is time for this world, the nation around us, to stop, to think, to look, and to listen to what the message of Christmas is really all about. There is hope for this troubled world. There is hope for every nation, there is hope for every individual, regardless of who they are, where they are from, and of whatever they may have done, whatever their political alliance, whatever their race, whatever their colour, there is hope for this troubled world. And the answer to every verdict of hopelessness is to be found in the book of hope, the eternal word of God, the Scriptures. If only men and women could come to understand that the one who they have no time for, the one who they keep rejecting, the one that they refuse to come to, is the hope of the world and the hope that would meet the innermost needs of their lives. And in meeting their needs and in meeting the needs of others, would be the answer to the problems in this world in which we're living in. Christmas is a season that needs to ring out the message loud and clear. There is hope. There is hope. So let's look into this book of hope and consider the one who can and will bring us hope. I suggest first that the increasing hopelessness that is being seen all around us is because of humanity's rejection of God. Man doesn't want God. We don't want him in the schools. We don't want him in the council offices. We don't want him in public office. We don't want him in the corridors of power. We don't want him in our homes. We don't even want him in our towns and cities anymore. Christmas is now becoming a festival or something else trying to get away with the word Christmas. And it's because of humanity's rejection of God, and because he has become self-reliant, he's going to discover and has discovered that self cannot satisfy, cannot. The world around us is full of greed. The strikes, what's it all about? It's greed, it's greed behind it. We want more, we want more. And all the time demanding more is deepening the crisis. Self, instead of looking to the one who gives hope. And Job chapter 8 and verse 13 says this. Such are the paths of all who forget God. The hope of the godless shall perish. So if you forget God, your hope is gone. It's as clear as that, as simple as that. Forget God, your hope is gone. The hope of the godless shall perish. From the New Living Translation, the same happens to all who forget God. The hopes of the godless evaporate. evaporate. And isn't that true of our nation? Isn't that true of the nations of the world? As God has been pushed out, as God has been rejected, as God has been forgotten, we find that the hope of the nation is gone. Men are full of hopelessness. And a godless society will lose its hope. We're seeing it happening all around us. Oh, how true the message of the scripture is. It is evident that the rise of hopelessness in the hearts of both individuals and nations is because they no longer hope in God. Psalm 42 and verse 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? See, he was downcast. He was in turmoil. And how was he going to be lifted up? How was he going to be brought out of the turmoil? There were the answers there in the same psalm. Hope in God. If you want to be lifted out of your turmoil, hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And a failure to hope in God will lead to being downcast. It will lead to turmoil. It will lead to frustration. And it will lead to feelings of failure. So where is hope? It's in God. Hope in God. And hope is to be found in having a right relationship with God. And a right relationship with his word. And Psalm 119 continually tells us that this right relationship with the word of God will fill us with hope. You can go through Psalm 119, verse 43, 74, 81, 114, 116, and verse 147, and they've got 147 up there. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. The psalmist knew that whatever he felt, however he was feeling, if he was downcast, if he was despondent, he needed to rise before dawn and he needed to get to the word of God. Because he knew that in coming to the Word of God, hope would rise again in his heart and his life. So hope is to be found in the Word of God. But primarily primarily this morning, I want us to understand that the hope that everyone around us needs is to be found in the one whom we meet in the Scriptures, the one who we remember this Christmas. It is to be found in the one who is called Lord Jesus Christ so immediately this morning I say to each one of us as we're gathered here to those that might watch the video during the week if you're in a place of hopelessness today this is what you need to be doing you need first of all to consider Jesus then secondly you need to come to Jesus then thirdly you need to call out to Jesus and then you need to confess your own inadequacy and allow him to come into your life and as he comes into your life he will give you a hope that is not just for the time of three score years of ten upon this earth but it is a hope that will last right through into eternity so if we go back to the beginning that is to creation we learn from Scripture of the fall of mankind. We read of the entrance of sin into the world. And it was this initial sin of our foreparents Adam and Eve, that has led the world to where it is found today. And to the condition of every single human heart. See, because of the transgression of Adam and Eve, the verdict is that all have sinned. And have fallen short of the glory of God. Now that verdict's bad enough. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it gets worse. Because it continues to say in the word of God. The wages of sin is death. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And as a result the wages of sin is death. And there is nothing more hopeless. Than this verdict of universal sin and of universal death. But listen, it gets worse. Sin, death. But it gets even worse worse because Scripture says that after death comes the judgment. Sin, death, then the judgment. And the verdict of a sinful human being is to be cast away forever from the presence of God. In other words, it seems very clear from Scripture That everyone, every man, every woman born into this world is a hopeless case. But thank God that at the same time that God pronounced his judgment upon sin, he made another pronouncement that offered what I'm going to call a glimmer of hope. Listen to what he said, speaking to the devil, is in Genesis three fifteen. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. See, the glimmer of hope was found in that promise that the seed of the woman would produce someone in the future. For the seed speaks of another person who would deal a blow to the one who had caused man to sin. And that one was Satan. And then a few chapters later, we read of the seed again in the story of Abraham. Where God is enlarging this glimmer of hope by saying that one of his seed or his offspring would be the means of one who would be a blessing for every nation of the world. Genesis 12 says this, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonours you I will curse. And in you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And we jump forward, and we read from a prophet, we've already heard of him this morning, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah. And he was used by God to prophesy about the seed of a virgin woman. We know it well in Isaiah 7.14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. (coughs) Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Surely this again is another glimmer of hope in the sin-sick world. And then we move a little bit further again into Isaiah's prophecies and we come to Isaiah chapter 53 and the thought of the seed which we heard of in Genesis chapter 3 is now illustrated in a slightly different way for in Isaiah 53 verse 2 we read this, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. And this verse follows on from Isaiah 52 that talks of one who would suffer. Uh, And the seed promised in Genesis 3, the offspring foretold in Genesis 12, the son to be conceived by a virgin. And Isaiah 7 would also be like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. This one promised, this one predicted, this one prophesied about would become the one who would fulfill verses 5 to 6 of Isaiah chapter 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and saw, carried our sorrows, yet we have seen, seen him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Or we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What is Isaiah doing in this prophecy? Well, he was prophesying that there was going to be hope for all mankind. For we all like sheep have gone astray. And because we are astray, we are hopelessly lost. It's a picture of society today. And then we move quickly forward to the New Testament. We come to the verses that have been read from Matthew chapter 1. And we see what also is read in Luke chapter 1. And we find the story of a young lady called Mary. And scripture tells us that she's a virgin. And something amazing is about to happen. Gabriel reveals the amazing news that she was going to be with child. Pregnant. Think of it, a pregnant virgin. How can And why would this be? Well, Scripture tells us that God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, was about to fulfill the promise of the seed that was spoken of in Genesis 3.15. And the promise of the offspring spoken of in Genesis 12. And it was going to be fulfilled through this woman called Mary. And that which was to be planted into the womb of this virgin called Mary is exactly as Isaiah prophesied in chapter 7, and a few months later, a son is given, who was born as a child in a stable, placed in a manger, and was given that amazing and wonderful name of Jesus. And why that name? Why call him Jesus? Well, we're told in Scripture, because he was going to be the saviour of the world. And the seed planted in the womb, that was born in a stable, that was laid in a manger, grew up like a young plant, and he grew up like a root out of dry ground. And he, this seed, this boy child, this young plant, had come to be the hope that this world needed. See, he had come to be the hope that our nation needs. He came to be the hope that every one of us needs, for he was going to be the one who would destroy all the damage the devil had done. He was going to be the one who would deliver and save all who would call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He would reverse the verdict of death and in its place grant eternal life. He would destroy the power of death and the sting of death so that any who believe will have hope that lasts throughout eternity. And so how do we receive this hope? The hope that every man and every woman needs to receive. Well, we we receive it by allowing the seed who was promised and who came that first Christmas morning to come and to be living, planted in our lives. This is what we read in Colossians 1.27. It says this amazing statement, Christ in you. The seed in us christ in us what does it mean it's the hope of glory christ in us the hope of glory there's three very important words christ in you if you want real lasting hope it is only revealed in scripture and it can only be found in the lord jesus christ yes this morning maybe most of us here will have already come and accepted jesus But we're living in a fast-changing world. You look back a year ago and think of where we are today. Coming out of Covid, we thought that everything was going to be rosy again. And yet, a year later, we see the state of not only our nation, but the state of the nations of the world. Who would have thought the way that this year would have gone? It's a fast-changing world. It's full of crisis. It's full of confusion. Nothing seems to be secure or stable. And if we're not careful, we will allow it to shake us. What we need to do this morning is that we need to be anchored firmly with a hope that is steadfast and sure, anchored in Jesus and anchored in the Word of God. There are so many scriptures that I could have turned to this morning and could have shared. But I'm going to remind us of the words of a song. We have a hope. That's good enough, isn't it? Really. We have a hope. But thank God that the hymn writer goes a little further. It says, we have a hope that is steadfast and certain. Unchangeable. Unmovable. We have a hope that is steadfast and certain. And he's gone through the curtain. And he's touching the throne. And this hope that is certain is the one whose name is Jesus. Let me tell you today, if you bemoan the present government, that your hope is not in either of the alternatives either. Bemoan the government as much as you like. Bring another one in. You're going to say the same in, within a few weeks. Because there is no hope. No hope. They make all their empty promises. And hope will not be found in a bottle. Hope cannot be found in a drug. Hope cannot be found in sexual promiscuity. And hope cannot be found in indulging in the sinful desires and pleasures of this world. It cannot be found in any other source other than the source To which God himself has made it available. And it is through his son. And only through his son. The Lord Jesus Christ. See any other alternatives offered. They're counterfeit. And all they're going to do. Is to lead to even greater hopelessness. So this Christmas season. As we think of the boy child Jesus. As we think of the seed that became the baby lying in a manger. As we think of the one who was the offspring of David. As we think of the one who became the young tender shoot. He is up. He is the hope. And he is the only hope. For he is the fulfillment of the first promise in scripture. That in the midst of all the punishment and awful consequences of sin pronounced at the fall that a seed would come, and locked into that seed was enough, sufficient, plentiful hope to meet the need of every man and woman who would come to Jesus by faith. Yes, on that first Christmas morning, there in the stable, hope sprang forth. Hope wants to fill your heart. Wants to fill your soul and hope wants to give you peace with God, give you peace within yourself and give you peace in this troubled world. There is hope, but there's only one source and it's in Jesus. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie, above thy deep and dreamless sleep. The silent stars go by, yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. And what is the everlasting light? Is the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Do you have fear today? Do you have a troubled heart today? Are you anxious? Are you cast down? Are you concerned? Are you worried about tomorrow and next week uh, and the month after and the new year? there's hope this morning you can be delivered from those fears and everything else that would beset you because it's the enemy that wants to bring you into that place of bondage but Jesus has come to release us from it he's come to give us hope he's come to give us joy he's come to give us peace and he's come because he's the God of love who's loved us with an everlasting love so don't go from you this morning in a place of despondency or cast downness, full of worry, full of care, but come to the one who is the hope and allow him again to fill you with his hope, with his peace, with his joy, so that you can go from here this morning knowing that your hopes and fears have been met in him this morning. Amen.